The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. It's just gone five past 12 on this Monday, the 20th of March 2023, and for many, an official public holiday. In fact, a long weekend, because tomorrow is, in fact, an official public holiday. Meant to be a massive stay away. People were very concerned for their safety, the safety of their organizations, their staff, their property, their assets. Uh, Many thought this could be reminiscent of what happened in KZN July 2021. It doesn't seem to have happened, although we're only halfway through the day. Let's see what still pans out. But for me, much of a storm in a teacup. It seems that the police, together with force multipliers on the ground from the private security industry, have, of course, taken control and do not want to see a repeat of the July 2021 insurrection. The assassination this past weekend of father and son, Kriti Murray, and, uh, and, his, and his son, uh, Thomas, is absolutely horrific. South Africa is absolutely beset by assassinations of people from all walks of life. Many innocent lives have also been lost in the crossfire in political, taxi, zamazama and gang-related assassinations. More and more, we are seeing whistleblowers and law enforcement officials gunned down. We remember those who have had their lives snuffed out by these assassins. Some of these are Shaul Kinnear, Babita Diokran, a.k.a. Kluti and Thomas Murray, Maruma Eric Pena, Dr. Manshi, DJ Somebody, Wendy Kloppers, and so many more. Some of these hits are revenge killings. Some of them are to silence whistleblowers and law enforcement officials. Some are purely commercial related for taxi routes to take over the position of a counselor and to be able to take over turf in ongoing Zama-Zama wars. It's unbelievable that South Africa is now looking like Colombia in the late 80s, early 90s, and now Mexico. Something really needs to be done about this. In a few minutes, I'm chatting to Jason Kogel. He's from an organization called the National Freedom Network. And we're going to be talking about a very important topic, which is the trafficking, pers- trafficking in persons and modern day slavery. Stay tuned. I'd like to remind you, of course, that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of Chai FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Modern slavery and human trafficking are organized crimes involving sophisticated syndicates using complex means to launder proceeds of these horrific crimes. Today we chat to Jason Kogel, Relations Manager at the National Freedom Network, South Africa, about this devastating crime. Jason is a social development practitioner passionate about bridging the gap between civil society and government stakeholders mandated to combat human trafficking in South Africa. Jason, a warm welcome to you. Thanks, Chad. It's good to be here. Jason, before we get started, let's talk about you as an individual. This is a, a, a difficult topic. It's something that people shy away from because they don't want to acknowledge that there's people living in horrendous situations that have been trafficked. How did you get involved in this? So, Chad, I, I think I first started uh, to become involved after hearing about a few civil society organizations who have been doing tremendous work within the space, working to prevent and to combat trafficking in persons. But then I think I also started to explore the intersection, particularly 
are between gender-based violence and human trafficking, trafficking in persons for the purpose of sexual exploitation. And then to recognize how that intersection plays out in so many settings, in so many environments, in so many lives, especially in the lives of, of women. Take, for example, and the, I think the, the incidences that were especially triggering for me were the experiences of women on, in entertainment space. So, talk about strip clubs, I think that's more overt and apparent, but then you even think about nightclubs and so forth. And you think about the experience of women who are working in that space as apparently without any force, apparently without any coercion. But then when you start to understand and hear about the experiences of women in that space, and then you start to see the bigger picture, and then you start to see the, the accounts and experiences and evidence of women in particular who are in, in, in other spaces where there is not as much coverage, their, their stories are not really heard, then you start to recognize the scale of this. Um, I have two sisters, um, I have a partner, and I think that that was especially triggering for me. You're with an organization called the National Freedom Network. Tell us a little bit more about them. So the National Freedom Network, we are an organization uh, where everyone who works for the organization does so voluntarily. And so shout out to anyone who's prepared to come on board with funding and just to support the work that we're doing. We serve to be a network that acts as a collaborative agent for civil society organizations. We also represent civil society organizations um, with government stakeholders and on the National Intersectoral Committee for Trafficking in Persons as well as on the Gauteng Provincial uh, Task Team responding to trafficking in persons. They talk about this term trafficking in persons, which is human trafficking and modern-day slavery. Uh, we, we hear slavery and we immediately think of people in chains. We think back to people that were taken out of Africa, sent to different areas of the world so that their labor could be used without compensation, held in the most horrendous conditions. When we talk about it in the modern-day context, what is human trafficking and modern-day slavery? So I prefer to use the term trafficking in persons. You know, we sometimes talk about the trafficking in uh, whatever it may be. And the manner in which a human being is viewed when they are trafficked is like a drug, is like a, 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 a rhino horn, for example. They're viewed in the same vein. In fact, the only thing that differs is that perhaps they are seen to be more valuable. One particular comment that's used often within the space is the question is posed, what's the best object to traffic? And people often say, you know, drugs, that's the, the automatic response. Some may say arms. But we believe, and, and it's now become more apparent, that that's it's actually people. And so that's the, that's the preferred term that I choose. I think when we do think about slavery, as you alluded to, we think of the chains, we think about um, transnational movement, and it's, it's sometimes fitting when you elaborate on it in the way that you did, Chad, because that is the condition of, of people who are often found to be in a position where they are being trafficked, where they are being forced, coerced, where they are being exploited um, through labor exploitation, through sexual exploitation, and the experience and, and what it really looks like on the ground, so to speak, Chad, is... It's horrendous. It's, I think it's, it's, it's beyond what we can even start to explain. If we start to relay some of the experiences, the evidence that's been 
presented in court that's led to prosecutions and convictions, you you would be stunned, and and I think our listeners would be would be quite appalled. Ken Follett has just written a book, Never, and Ken Follett is is a very well-known author. He's written many trilogies, Fall of the Giant, Pillars of the Earth, and he really, although his books are works of fiction, he bases it on on true events, and his book, Never, pertains to what happens around the world with the complex situation of of incidents that occur that lead us into a nuclear-type war. But in that book, there's stories within stories. And one of the stories are people who want to leave a region of Chad traveling through Sudan towards Libya. Um, they want a better life. They want to leave. They're exploited by people who are taking an opportunity of giving them a way to escape the abject poverty they live in. But it turns out that even though they've paid for this, they're not going to ever reach Libya and then cross the Mediterranean to Europe. They actually stop in the middle of nowhere and they are then used as forced labor in a, in a mining environment. And what struck me in this book is there were no, there were, there were no, there was no bondage. There was no, they weren't forced. They were basically left and they couldn't go anywhere. They were in the midst of a desert. They were forced to perform labor on this mine for food once a day with no hope because if they had to flee and not get shot, they would die through the elements. And I think this brought home to me the reality of just how easy it is to get people into that position. Yeah. You know, Chad, when we, when we look at the socioeconomic complexities and the, the vulnerability factors that the majority of our country Especially if we speak specifically of South Africa, but if we expand it even to our SADC nations, uh, our surrounding countries, the, the, the lives that people are living and the socioeconomic complexities that they are faced with on a, on a daily basis. You know, in the prevention and combating of trafficking in persons act, one of the, one of the, 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 one of the indicators is, is vulnerability. So when someone's vulnerability is abused, uh, in short, and, and perhaps our, our, our legal experts will, will not be happy with me saying this, but the abuse of vulnerability can also be seen as, a, as, as trafficking in persons when there, are, when there are several other indicators. And the, the, the scale of vulnerability that people are living with in South Africa and in the surrounding countries is, it speaks to what the author refers to in that book. And it's, it's startling, but it explains why, why we are facing what we're facing, why trafficking in persons is so apparent in South Africa and even around the world. We're chatting about trafficking in persons, which is human trafficking and modern day slavery. Our guest today is Jason Coggle. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting today about an uncomfortable subject. People know this is happening. They don't talk about it because they want to remain in their sheltered environment and pretend that the world is a great and wonderful place. The subject of trafficking in persons is a subject that needs to be had because it is a massive 
organized crime throughout the world, generating billions of dollars in revenue for these organized crime syndicates that sit behind us. It includes things such as sexual exploitation, forced labor, organ and body part trafficking, forced marriage, and domestic servitude. Justin Kogel from the National Freedom Network has joined us today to help us make sense of this horrific modern-day slavery that is taking place, which impacts so many lives. Jason, when you and I first met, I, I received from you a document that, that briefly outlined some of the statistics, and these statistics are very scary. It says that in Africa, four out of every 1,000 people are victims of trafficking, it gives the statistics broken down as 45% of trafficked persons are males, 55% females, 74% adults, 26% children. Let's talk a little bit more about those statistics. Four out of every thousand people are trafficked. I think, Chad, does it not say they're four out of a hundred? No, four out of four every thousand. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, that our researchers and and Due respect to the researchers who are working within this field um, of trafficking in persons in South Africa especially, there's a significant undercount when we look at the statistics. You reference the, the revenue that's made from the traffic from trafficking in persons, and we often use a figure of 150 billion US dollars, sure. which amounts to something like three, just under three trillion rand. Now, when you start to think about it like that, and even if you put that number down on paper, you can't even count the zeros, and then you realize, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a major, a, a, a major industry? We're talking about the trafficking of people that generates that amount of revenue globally. And even if we think about that, the economics of it, because I think that speaks to a, a lot of us. When we think about the economics of it, how much of, of that estimation, how, how, how much can we rely on that estimation? Because of the illicit flows of finances that occurs, how, how would it be possible? That's what we can track, and that's based on certain formulas and so forth that we use to understand the scale of the issue. But it's even more than that. Now, if we're talking into the trillions of rands, we're talking close to the GDP of a nation like South Africa. And that's highly problematic. And that speaks to the systemic nature of the problem. I want to just speak to the stats as well. So in a, in a most recent report on the, the scale of trafficking in persons in South Africa, one of the stats that was used was this, that 11,077 cases were reported to SAPS between 2015, when the Packer uh, Act came into being, and 2022. That's 11,077. Our Deputy Minister of Justice and Constitutional Development, John Jeffrey, he said this. He said, even though we like to understand things by using stats, we must understand that we're not talking about statistics. We're talking about people. Now, I said 11,077 cases have been reported. Now, in those 11,077 cases, the victims there are usually a small amount. The number of victims, for example, in one case that's currently in our criminal justice system was three victims. However, there were 21 victims whose whose identities we found out about through testimony and through statements, but those victims never came forward. So that's three times seven that gives us 21. In another case, it's six victims, 52 who were mentioned in statements and in testimonies. So the undercount is significant. And I think the problem is much bigger than what we think it to be and what we try to make it to be through the stats that we use. 
I think it's important at this point in our conversation to speak about examples. And I, I don't know if I'm correct in my assumption, but an example that I would give, and you can, you can clarify whether I'm right or wrong, would be women who are promised, say for example, they live in the rural areas of Limpopo and Pumalanga, Northwest. They've heard about Cape Town, how wonderful it is, and they promised jobs in the hospitality industry there. Or they've been told that they have the look, they can be models. And they get transported down thinking that they're going to be models or work in the hospitality industry before they realize it. They're forced into sex work or stripping and they've got no way out. That could also be other women from Africa whose passports get taken. Then of course we have what we would think are economic refugees, people who want to leave another part of Africa to come to South Africa to work. They find somebody who will be able to bring them into the country and they find themselves very similar to the example I gave about the, the book Never by Ken Follett. They'll find themselves on a farm working without being able to get paid, undocumented. They cannot escape and they stuck in that. Are those, are those valid examples? Those are valid examples. And that's often been at least through the, the cases that have come through our criminal justice system, that's often been the modus operandi of these organized crime networks. I think I just want to touch on that as well, Chad, and, and just to help our listeners make sense of this even more, is that the PACO tip, the Prevention and Combating of Trafficking in Persons Act, was established on the basis that there was a recognition that trafficking in persons, there was a connection and intersection between the trafficking, trafficking in persons and organized crime. So this is organized crime. This is an organized crime that's often... Um, that's extremely sophisticated, where there are several agents, cut-out men, government officials who are both complicit, at times corrupt, who are involved in ensuring that this continues to happen and that this problem gets bigger and bigger. That's a, that's, that's a, the good example that you use, Chad. In the case of labor exploitation, um, there's often the instance where people are exploited in, uh, by forced labor. So in the case of mining, there's... There's a, there's a significant illicit mining industry in South Africa that demands labor. Um, and there's, there's no minimum wage in that instance. In fact, that often there are no wages. Often there are no specific working hours. So what we saw in Congo where they're mining coltan, where they're mining precious stones and they're using people from the local villages under threat of violence or even death, you're saying we're now seeing on the rand in respect of Zamazamas. Definitely. It's, Definitely, Chad. It's absolutely horrific. I want to take a break now and play a song by Asa. Um, and although it's an upbeat and catchy guitar lead, she sings and touches on social ills all in one swoop. What makes this song particularly interesting is that she was invited to um, sing at a presidential function And what the president didn't realize Is that when she launched the song At that particular function She was speaking out About the ills that were found In Nigerian society Which can be found around the world All those years ago Asa pointed out that we live in a society Which in the long run Will destroy itself and everyone in it But no one seems to care About what's going on Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. You're listening to Confidential Brief live on 101.9 FM in Johannesburg, streaming worldwide on highfm.com. This show will be downloaded to our podcast system, which you can listen to at www.highfm.com. And of course, there will be repeats of the show 
during the week. My guest today, Jason Kogel from the National Freedom Network, and we're chatting about trafficking in persons. How many families do you think get involved and actually become part of the trafficking in the more desperate areas of our continent where people are really living in in worse situations than are imaginable? Chad, what my pet is when, when we have people come from Europe or they come from the States and they refer to South Africa and they say, you know, I'm visiting Africa. And I'm, I'm referring to that because we so often go beyond our borders to understand the scale of a, of a problem or an issue and the systemic nature of it. But within our borders, within South Africa, I can tell you that there are cases that have come through our criminal justice system where parents have sold their child, their baby, for 15,000 rand. In fact, there was one particular case where there thankfully was a successful prosecution and conviction. And, and, and sorry, I say thankfully with a pinch of salt because again, the abuse of vulnerability that occurs, um, on the part of not only the perpetrator being the parent, but also the buyer, the, the, the one who's, who's, who's ensuring that there's demand. There was a case where, where a mom advertised her child on more than one occasion on country. And she accepted 2,000 rand for a baby. Now, this instance of 15,000 rand has now actually become a common figure where it's, it's, it's almost the going price for a child when, when a child is sold through uh, adoption schemes, through foster care schemes, or through everyday um, sale apparatus such as uh, Gumtree. What scares me, it's something that's not that spoken about Sometimes in jest, but mostly not spoken about, and that is the situation regarding Muti in South Africa. Um, it's not just a South African problem. Um, if you look at the trade in human body parts from albinos, it's, it's prevalent in several countries in sub-Saharan Africa. But in South Africa specifically, there have been cases where bodies have been stolen from mortuaries, placenta stolen from um, hospitals. But we know that even children are kidnapped and murdered and maybe even sold into this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Muti situation? So the Muti situation is, is, is quite complex, but again, it's an issue that understanding our context is very prevalent. One of the ways that it's, that it's often used that's often not spoken about is that when a woman, for example, is trafficked, when she is brought in to the, the network, so to speak, Examples that we've that we've had are uh, muti sometimes used to make that woman believe that this is her destiny, and that if she deviates from her destiny, that she's doomed and she'll be doomed for the rest of her life. In fact, in some cases, a woman has been pregnant, she's born a child, and through the use of muti, for example, she's told not to keep her child because the child is cursed. As a woman in this industry, she's not supposed to be having children. And it's going to destroy her life if she has a child. And so there's also the exploitation uh, when we talk about vulnerabilities of, of even just a, a, a lack of education, um, the exploitation of, of people's ignorance in the, in, the, in the time, in the period, in the moment when they're already being exploited horrifically. Uh, for me, sitting on the peripheries, understanding organized crime a little bit better than the layman because of the work that I do, I still don't delve into the areas in which you do. The people that you work with, it takes a special kind of person to be able to go out there and do this. 
how how do people become involved in your organization i think on, on this note chad i, I just want to appreciate and recognize the many researchers the many government officials but also the very many civil society organizations who are involved in the prevention and combating of trafficking in persons. The National Freedom Network is a network of more than 80 uh, member organizations who are involved within this space. And so I think first point of call would be to reach out to us. You can visit our website, the National Freedom Network, and we can connect you with an organization that perhaps speaks to the area of need that you'd like to serve or give toward or you can just be a part of, 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 of our, of our network. We've recently launched a digital platform, uh, for our members that just allows for, uh, better collaboration, ease of collaboration and, and just that will aid, uh, the prevention and combating of trafficking in persons. You know, one of the, the, the challenges for many of the organizations working in the space is the one I mentioned in the beginning that of funding. And so we'd really appreciate anyone's generosity anyone's donations and giving towards uh, the fight. We're going to listen to a word from our advertisers. When we come back on you, talk a little bit more about what people need to do because you have a slogan, see something, say something. And I think it's critical that people know what to look out for and what they should be doing. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting today about trafficking in persons, which equates to human trafficking and modern-day slavery. Our guest is Jason Kogel from an organization called the National Freedom Network. Jason, I, I count myself as one of those people that is a little bit more familiar about what's happening out there based on the work that I do. But even I don't know what to look out for when it comes to these horrendous crimes. Your slogan, see something, say something, means that we should be doing something as normal members of the community. What should we be doing? What should we be looking out for? So in terms of what we should be doing, I think I want to share the number for the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is managed by A21 a great civil society organization that's doing extensive work in preventing and combating trafficking in persons. And that number is 0800-222-777, 0800-222-777. And what should we be looking out for? Well, Chad, it goes so far as our, the people that you see at the robot, um, sometimes you, 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 it's very commonplace to see women with children. We found in certain cases that the children with the women are not even the women's children. Um, and then that's uh, in that way a child's been exploited, and so if you've seen things that, you know, I, I think the, the 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 often often made assumption by most people is that it's legitimate, it's okay, this is normal, and I think that as a society, um, it's time for us to 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 be comfortable with abnormality, and also to point out abnormality. And so, for example, when you see a child um, and a, a mother or a grandmother at a robot, and you can see the condition of the child that the child's having to sit through on a 33-degree day in Johannesburg, you know, that child's been exploited. That child's not there um, by choice. And even the question of choice in relation to a child is questionable. But then we can go further. And if you know, I mean, in many of our leafy suburbs in the north of Johannesburg, there are several brothels that operate. And if you know there's a residence that's full of women um, and that there are men who are making their way there regularly, 
and you have done nothing to report that residence. You know, having a brothel and operating a brothel in South Africa it remains illegal. It's not a, a legal enterprise. And so call call the hotline, call the number, report it. And I'm not trying to say, and I'm not making a, suggest- a suggestion that um, prostitution or the sale of sex is the same as trafficking in persons. But what often happens is that in the case of prostitution, in the, the sex trade industry, there's often trafficking in persons that takes place um, before that woman, for example, gets to the brothel, before that woman, for example, gets to the strip club and so forth. Two points I want to make. The first, brothels and for an individual to generate revenue based on somebody else offering sexual services is illegal. However, there's a move to decriminalize sex work to protect sex workers. What are your views on that? So we are a part of a a lobbying movement called Sales A. You can also type that into Google and you'll come to the website where we are calling for partial Decriminalization. That means we are calling for the criminalization of the demand. In other words, the criminalization of the buyer, as well as anyone who is profiting from the sale of sex. That leaves the woman non-criminalized or decriminalized. And so if, if, if the woman is safe, the woman can approach, um, um, hospital for healthcare, it can report any kind of abuse, but the buyer is criminalized. The demand is criminalized. You see, the problem for us, Chad, is that if we go for full decriminalization, that means every brothel owner now gets to operate legitimately. I recently heard that in the States, for example, in the state of California, with the the, the legalization of cannabis, and I mean, it's no by no means the same thing, but we're talking about illicit economies. And in that instance, for example, 80% of the market for cannabis remained illicit even after legalization. And so if we if we are expecting that this is suddenly going to become a a revenue um, opportunity for uh, the South African government, for example, and that there's going to be increased ability to regulate and that brothel owners, for example, are now going to start to partner with law enforcement. I think we are we are looking for something that 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 is on the side of utopia. And I don't think that's what we're going to get. And so I don't also think that the solution to the problem is now to suddenly be radical and push for decriminalization. My last point and and question to you. You raised the very important aspect of where we see exploitation of children in our communities, especially at the traffic lights. And it's something that touches all of our hearts. You have a woman there. She's been there for 20 years, and she always has a toddler with her. We know that that toddler has been rented. We know that it's wrong. And nobody's doing anything. Are they wary that the Metro Police or the South African Police Services will remove them, they'll be back the next day, and that they should be the problem of the police? Or if by calling 0800-222-777, something will happen, something will alleviate the the extreme conditions that those children find themselves under? I think, Chad, the reality is that in South Africa we, we have a major challenge of capacity. And I think by calling the hotline, for example, that will enable us to keep on record a particular individual uh, who we are alleging to be potentially a perpetrator of trafficking in persons. That allows us to also then hold uh, government stakeholders and government law enforcement accountable for the conditions that this child, for example, may find him or herself in. And I think that's a start. At least we are starting to 
um, hold uh, law enforcement accountable for what we are seeing as opposed to just saying, well, it's not my problem. And I think that's, again, a, a, big, a big challenge for our society. And perhaps a challenge I want to put forward to society is to, to see something and then to say something. Uh, to not say, well, um, this is not my problem because it is our problem. And I think that where we find ourselves as a country today uh, on the 20th of March 2023 is as a large result of all of us as South Africans being, and I'm going to say something that's perhaps offensive to some, being complicit to the many issues and problems that we face by not saying something. Asa said the same thing to her president, um, and it's something that everybody needs to take cognizance of. We are one society, one community that needs to work together. We need to see something and say something. And I'm calling upon all of our listeners today to call 0800-222-777. You all know which corners I'm talking about. You've all seen these ladies with these children. We all know that those children shouldn't be there. We need you to say something. Is it anonymous? Is it confidential? It can be anonymous. Um, if you'd like to say who you are, you're welcome to do that. But it is an, a platform that you can use anonymously. The reporting um, uh, mechanism is, is very simple and straightforward. It's not going to take you a long time. It's quick. It's easy. Um, and we'd really appreciate your I, input. I'm really imploring you to do that as the listeners. I'm going to be posting these numbers um, as well as the statistics and more about the National Freedom Network on our Facebook page, which is Confidential Brief Radio Show. I'm also going to be posting it to my own LinkedIn profile, which is Chad Thomas. But we need to start earning our right to call ourselves civic-minded citizens. It's not just about going to the polls next year and trying to vote for a difference and vote for more law enforcement and vote to see consequences for the nefarious actions of those in our communities and society that are causing so much despair. It's time for you as an individual to also take it up. Jason, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, sir. Jason Kogel is from the National Freedom Network. Google it, find out more about, um, about them. And remember the slogan, if you see something, say something. My name is Chad Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us today.